Hi, this is Christopher Salem. I'm an executive coach, corporate trainer, advisor, and a professional speaker. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Christopher Salem. He's an executive coach, corporate trainer, award-winning author, and professional speaker who mentors C-suite business leaders, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals to build and protect their brands by raising their level of influence as trusted advisors to maximize their results. He also works with companies to create independent work environment and a thriving culture through a growth mindset foundation, effective communication, transparent leadership, and higher engagement. His book, Master Your Inner Critic, Resolve the Root Cause, Create Prosperity, went international bestseller in 2016. He's also co-authored the recent addition to Mastering the Art of Success with Jack Canfield. He's got a weekly radio show, Sustainable Success, as part of the Voice America Influences channel. Christopher, a massive welcome to you to the show. Dennis, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Hey, just I've given a brief introduction about you. Anything else that you might want to tell us about your background? Well, I mean, I've, I've had a background primarily most of my life in sales, but over that time, I've got to really understand not only myself overcoming many obstacles and, and a major transformation I went through 22 years ago, but also really, really to understand how people communicate and how they lead. And from that, I, I was able to migrate into coaching and, and it's become a passion of mine working with individuals and companies, how to lead effectively by example and be a resource to build more winning, engaging teams, empowering others to own their role and duties in uh, their jobs and so on. Awesome. And what do you like about coaching in particular? Well, it's just something I guess it's been born into me. I come from a family of teachers. My mother was a teacher. My aunts and uncles were teachers. I have cousins that are teachers. My mother always said you would make a great teacher. And I say, well, I am teaching and I am educating. That's not in a traditional role like a teacher would in a school, but yet I'm doing it as an executive coach. But I also do some adjunct faculty work for two universities in uh, their business program that are not accredited. So I help them to really help build some value in terms of uh, applied knowledge to businesses that are around uh, where those schools are located. 
Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, coaching is a wonderful thing, and and I love doing it as well with people. And I just like seeing them get the them getting the light bulb moment or the that transformational situation or that insight that really just changed their lives, their teams, and all their organisations. Which is which is a wonderful thing to see for sure. Hey, Christopher, you talked about you got into sales and so forth. So how did you get into leadership? Well, leadership was just something that came natural to me. I've always had this uncanny ability where people would come and open up to me, meaning that they would tell me things that they wouldn't tell their bosses, wouldn't tell their peers, would even tell their significant others. So the fact that I had this ability probably led, I didn't know it at the time, was that I had this ability to connect where people were. So if people were feeling vulnerable or if they felt incompetent, maybe they didn't know enough, they didn't want to disclose this information to people they work for, fearing they might lose credibility, might lose their job. But yet people felt very comfortable talking to me about that. And because of that vulnerability and transparency, those are two strengths that allow an individual to to grow from where they are into everything that they desire to be. I just had this ability to do that and help people move along through a plot, you know, being the 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 messenger, being someone that related and understood where they were at and and shared from experience empowering them to take ownership of where they were and where they desired to be to go from there. So I kind of guided them and gave them the blueprint. But first connecting on court on shared values connecting at a place where they felt comfortable, where they could be vulnerable and transparent to start moving forward. Yeah, that ability to connect with people uh, where they are at is, is a really, really important skill to have. And I think a lot of leaders nowadays, they're not doing that because they're running, as I said in my introduction, email to email, meeting to meeting, and they're overwhelmed and, and they're finding it a little bit difficult to, to be able to do that. But they just probably need to get themselves out of the way and allow them to be there present with people. And I think being present is probably one of the biggest things that a lot of leaders could do today. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you just nailed it, Dennis. I mean, it is about being present. See, if we're going to be effective leaders, we have to be able to lead by example and be a resource. So if we're not being the example of everything that we're looking to do to inspire people that work for us to own their role and own their duties, then all we're going to be stuck in doing is telling people how, when, or why to do something. Mm. And when they're not doing it to the level that you anticipate, then it's just going to lead to more telling and more conflict and things not getting done. You're, you're operating from expectations tied to outcomes that operate in the past and future in terms of thinking. So as leaders, we have to be present. We have to learn to think differently in a way to be different, to become different, to do different, and then have different, better results. When we can shift away from telling people how, when, to why to do something and share from experience, being that example and being a resource rather than pleasing and enabling others and shifting our result process into the moment of trusting what we know and what we can control and maximizing that Mm. and letting go of everything else and not tying ourselves to the expectations of the outcomes, we'll have far better results and more likely to inspire people through our example and our resources to do the same over time, creating more future leaders in their role and duties. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, being the role model or example to inspire people, I love that. Uh, the thing is, that's probably quite a good segue into the next question here. And, and Christopher, this could be a little bit uh, interesting for you in the sense that you've probably got many, but let's just think about one in particular if you can. Who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? 
Wow. It's, <laughs> I have so many favorite leaders out there. I would have to say that I respect my wife, number one, because my wife is always the example. I respect Richard Branson is one. And here's why I respect Richard Branson, because Richard Branson is highly transparent from day one. He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. When you think of that name, Sir Richard Branson, you think that this man could do no wrong. Like he is he is an expert and, and you know, he has strengths in almost every aspect of doing business. But he'll be the first to tell you that's not the case. And he's someone that will say yes to something, knowing that he sees an opportunity, but yet will say that I don't have all the answers. I've made mistakes. And this is an individual that also leads by example, meaning that he shares from experience. He inspires people on his teams, whether what, what depending upon what business it is, to take ownership over their role and duties and create an environment that regardless of title, that people can really grow into their strengths, offset their weaknesses, and create more interdependency in those, those types of work environments. So he would be one that comes to mind. Another one is Mary Barra from GM. This was a woman who grew up in that typical, you know, that old school men's world of running a bureaucratic business. She grew up with sexual harassment and all these bureaucratic things that how companies used to run in the day. And throughout her career, rose through the ranks and was able to transform General Motors to where it is today, where it operates from a place of servant leadership, a visionary, a combination of servant, visionary, and then also coaching a style of leadership. So it's a completely different environment than it was 20 plus years ago. And so from a woman, from being a woman leader who I respect highly, she is someone I hold in high regards as well. Yeah, really interesting that you mentioned though you know, your wife, Sir Richard Branson, and then Mary Barrow? Barrow? B-A-R-R-A, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and coming from General Motors, I mean, because uh, I worked for an organization many years ago that was run by Ross Perot, which was EDS, right, IT company that actually threw General Motors and that's how it actually got started. And uh, really interesting that you share that that example. I think the big thing I'm taking from all of that is leaders lead by example. And that's that's a huge thing that we need to do for sure. Hey, the show is Leadership is Changing. That's the title of the show. And we're seeing a lot of things happening in life today, of course. When I say the term leadership is changing, Christopher, what does that mean for you? Well, what it means is that change is inevitable. Mm. What that, so that I mean whether if it's in your industry, whether if it's in the economy overall, things that affect people overall on a global scale like COVID, there's always going to be things that are changing. People are changing. Here's the thing when it comes to change, what separates an extraordinary leader from an ordinary leader. Ordinary leaders tend subconsciously to get caught up in the control they can't control. We can't control what's going on in the economy. We can't control what's going on in our industry. We can't control things like COVID. We can't control another person's communication, behavior, attitude, emotions, or course of action that they take. But we tend to get caught up in that, that past and future thinking. Mm. An extraordinary leader understands I can only control these few things. I can control my communication to myself and other people. I can be specific, clear, and concise versus being based on assumption and speculation, shifting more away from codependent environment to interdependent. I can control my behavior, my attitude, my emotions, choose to you know how to respond to which thoughts that I should pay attention to and the ones I should just let go. 
and the course of action that I take. When we can shift our focus to controlling the things that we know in our control in that moment and letting go of everything else, we can trust that process to maximize that and let the things that we do not control, those puzzle pieces that we don't have to complete the puzzle, to come into our possession in time to complete our puzzle or achieve the results that we seek. That requires a different way of thinking. When I talked mm. about earlier, to be able to think differently, to be, than to become, to do, and have, and then they'll have those different results. So I would say when it comes to change, it's inevitable. And those extraordinary leaders are the ones that adapt to the change, focusing on what they can control and what they know, letting go of everything else. Oh, that is so beautiful the way that you've actually talked about that because I think, you know, you're so right. And I, and I talk about in other episodes as well. There is things that are, are out of our control, but two things that are in your control, your attitude and the way you react to it. So that's what you're talking about around your behavior, your attitude, your emotions. And then, of course, where you're going next. It's the course of action. So, you know, it's future orientated. We're going to move. We're going to get going. Where a lot of people get stuck. And, and I think that's, that's the, I like the way that you've said an extraordinary leader versus an ordinary leader. And yeah, that's really quite cool. And I think what we've seen though throughout the, the pandemic and so forth, we've seen people who have got a title of manager and so forth, and they've actually stayed there as the ordinary leader. And then the others who haven't got some of these titles have actually stepped up really well and become that extraordinary leader. And I think they are our leaders for the future. They absolutely are, Dennis. I mean, when you talk about leadership, it, it, it's not a title. And it's mm. it, this any position. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to have a title or position. Yeah. It's just a way of life. It's how you lead your life in your when, when you're at work and when you're in your personal life. And when it can be congruent with one another, where it's consistent, the this is where this effective leadership can, when you lead by example, can really manifest itself in magnificent ways over time in terms of how it inspires others to do the same. There are some people that might play the part at work and then they're completely the opposite. They don't lead effectively in their homes, in their marriages, in their communities, but maybe have enough to turn it on and make it play the role and play the part in business. But that, uh, that catches up after time. So it, that consistency is important. So it's really important that leaders have a daily routine, particularly early in the morning, a routine that's going to allow to get their mind, their, their mindset, their thinking in the moment to learn how to be present. And if you don't have a routine, then it's going to be very difficult to really tap into that subconscious level to change those things that can become a new automatic pattern that will help you and help others to do the same. Absolutely. And Christopher, I, th I think you know nowadays leaders have got a microscope on them and uh, we're being watched all the time. And, and you, I love what you're saying about the congruency between work and, and home life because it's got to be one. And you can't just turn up and go flick a switch and go, da-da, I'm, now I'm the leader and then go home and then be something totally different again. It's, you know, we all have different roles in life. I mean, at work, you could be the leader, but at home, I know that I'm not the leader. At home, I know that I am I have a certain role as well, but I still have to be a leader of myself and have the certain values and certain things that I need to do with the right mindset. So it's really, really cool. So, hey, listeners, I'm here with Christopher Salomon. He's sharing some beautiful things here in relation to leadership is changing. Christopher, how has your business or industry changed and what demands has that put on you? Well, I mean, there's just, I mean, there's so many technological changes with technology and processes mm -hmm. And, and, and people are doing a lot, businesses are doing a lot more with less people, meaning people are wearing multiple hats these days. 
So there's just a lot of, you know, there's a lot of disconnect in terms of people trying to achieve work-life harmony. I always like to use that word harmony instead of balance, because when you think about it, there's no, there's never going to be balance, a perfect balance in life. You're never going to have a seesaw on its access point like this. It's going to teeter. So with that being said, it's those challenges are real. And it's, again, learning to, uh, you know, understand what, you know, where people are. Not everybody's going to be on the same wavelength. It's a key of meeting where people are and letting this process unfold over time. And when you can commit to that process, this is where these magnificent changes happen over time. You begin to see people coming together, owning their role and their duties. They begin to take care of themselves first to fill their cups so they can be the example for others to do the same in the workplace. So that could be also with their spouses and their children and so on. So, they, so they're creating this interdependency in their environments, wherever they are, whatever role and duties they're playing at that time. And when they can be consistent like that and continue to grow, this is where people, you know, organizations can build winning teams where you're going to win more than you're going to lose. And when I say lose, you're really not losing. You're just, you're learning, you're learning by, you know, as long as you approach it that way, you're learning from mistakes. You're learning from something you didn't win, knowing that the next go around that you will. So it's all about, it's not who's right, who's wrong. It's what's best for the group, the business unit, your organization, your clients. It's regardless who came up with the idea. It's about solving challenges, problems, in creating solutions and being innovative and creative and so on. Nice. I want to deep dive a little bit something you just said earlier on, and, and in particular for possibly sales leaders that are that are listening to this, because I know you said you had the sales background and so forth. Yeah. Meeting people where they are. How important is it for a salesperson to meet people where they are? And what are one or two things they should do to do that? Well, it's very important because when you meet someone for the first time and they don't really know who you are, they're already going to have this defense mechanism up where they're going to have an objection, whatever that may be. They're not going to reveal what the tr- what's really important to them. They may say something, but th- is that really what's important? Or if you're in sales, they might say, well, you know, this is not a good time. I can't afford it or I don't have the time. Those are the two most common ob- objections in sales to any sales professional. They don't, people don't have the money. They don't have the time. All that really what's ha- happening there is they don't know enough about you. And they feel uh, subconsciously you have not related and understood them on a level that will make them comfortable to open up. They don't even know that. They, this is what's subconscious that's happening here. So the whole idea is that you have to develop that rapport. And it's not about selling something. It's about enrolling someone, empowering a person to make their own decision, not persuading them to see your point of view, and then selling them into your, your program, your service, whatever the case may be. It's building rapport. It's connecting on shared set of values. Your values may be different from the other person on the other side of the table, but you could find somewhere to connect on shared values. I'm transparent, I'm honest, and I come from integrity. Those are the three core values that I operate my entire life in business from. But if somebody is trustworthy, ethical, and values people who commit and follow through, can we connect there? Sure. There's a shared set of values that we can connect. And when we can connect there, and then you can determine the rules and how they like to be communicated to mm-hmm. by really looking at their body language, asking high-end open questions to get some more information. And as they start to feel related to and understood, and they're doing most of the talking, they're going to start to reveal what really is important to them so you know how to communicate 
to the point where when they feel when the time is right, you can ask if they're open for a recommendation, a suggestion. And when they give that to them, what is the next steps for you, Mr. and Mrs. Jones? And then they're going to make that decision. And when people make a decision, you empower them to be committed and to jump in with two feet, not one foot out, one foot in type of thing. So I always find that enrollment process is better than persuading and selling someone. Yeah, and I think the same thing for for team members as well on the team. When the leader gets them to come up with the ideas, you know, everyone owns those ideas because it's their idea. Yes. And they, they tend to take more accountability and so forth around that. Here's a question that is probably the coaching question that you and I probably recognize, and that is, if there was one thing that you could change in business as a leader today, what would that one thing be? I would say that, you know, it's ha- coming from more empathy and kindness. You don't under- People don't understand that we all have our personal lives and things are happening behind the scenes. This could temporarily impact the way we communicate to others, and it can impact our behavior. It can impact our course of action in, in terms of getting things done. It's also, empathy and kindness also recognizes that our communication has to be very specific, clear, and concise, because we live in a world of communication based on assumption and speculation. And when we assume and speculate, this is where things are miscommunicated, there's misperceptions, and where conflicts can arise and then lead to more resentment and future problems. So for me, it's all about empathy and kindness relating to where people are. You're not a therapist, but yet you're, you're relating to where people are and providing the resources and tools, allowing that person to help themselves, yet being the example yourself for them to do it for themselves. I find that helps to solve challenges and change certain behaviors and communication that might be working against that person or people where they, you can turn it around and they're, out, they're back on track again over time to become a, 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 a productive member of the team. Yeah, it's a little bit of tweaking and a little, maybe a little bit of slight change to to allow them to then fly and then do what they really are wanting to do or really good at what they're doing. And sometimes as leaders, we just might need to help enable that for sure. You and I will know people who are, and probably both of us have been employees on the past of, of organizations. How are employees' expectations of leaders changed? Well, I would say that, you know, I mean, if you look at companies overall, you know, people are probably, you know, I grew up in a bureaucratic type style of leadership. I worked, I started in the aerospace industry back 31 years ago, and it was, it was, it was difficult. It was like being, you know, in the military and Mm -hmm. things have changed, you know, far, you know, drastically. But I would say that people are respect when they feel respected. Even though they know they, they, there's areas of improvement they have to make in their roles, but when they feel respected and you come from empathy and kindness, I feel people are going to feel like they're committed to you and what you represent to be part of that team to go forward. You're going to retain people. So even when you go through difficult times, maybe they have to do more than that, that, that's anticipated. When they feel respected and they feel valued, people are more likely to really step up and, and roll up their sleeves and do what, what now I'm not saying everyone, but for the most part, most people, when we can really just value who they are and really show a level of respect and under, relating and understanding them. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the, the thing here is that 
if we're not treating people the way that we would like to be treated, then that it's not going to be a good thing. And the other thing too is, as you said, where they are and they feel respected, they're going to really commit to to you and the organisation, and they're going to go probably the extra mile as well. And I've always heard that uh, people don't care who you know what you know until they know that you care about them, and they'll go the extra mile for you and 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 do things. And however, there's a caveat here, and I've got to say it, and that is. But you have to do it in a way that's real, authentic, and not just false, right? Or you're ticking the box because people will see right through that, right? And that's another thing that I think companies have to understand that if you're, because there's many companies out there still checking boxes. Hey, we did that. We covered that topic. But it, it does, it's not a lunch and learn type of thing. This is something that has to be dripped over time, a significant period of time. It could take six months, a year, if not more, but dripping it in little bits and pieces that people begin to really you know, believe in it. They bought into it. They're taking ownership over their lives and their careers in terms of their role and duties in that to make these changes. So you begin to see the changes, not only on an individual level, but now collectively on an interdependent level as a group, as an organization. And that's where the magic is. So it, it's the companies that have to really trust the process. They can't just go off of intellectual intelligence. They have to look at the EQ side, emotional intelligence, blind faith, and knowing that when we can incorporate these concepts into making these changes in our environment, the results are going to be far better long-term, higher retention, better re- production, more efficiency, and of course, higher profitability and more likely to be more innovative and creative in, in coming up with new products and services as a result of it. Yeah, cool. Hey, um, Christopher, what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? I say what makes a leader successful is the one that is constantly learning. Mm. It's not the one that says, I know it all. These are the people that that are constantly our students at the same time as being teachers in that role as a leader in their organizations or in their personal lives, whatever that may be. And it's not only just learning, but it's applying this learning and know, and having a routine each and every day that's allowing you to show up to be your better self, not to be the best, but to be your best. When we can show up to be your best, this comes off in a way that brings people closer to you, not against you. When you try to be the best, that people feel you're arrogant, you're, you're more egotistical. Mm. This inspires people to, to, to take the, make the effort to do for themselves so they can do the same within their roles. So for me, that is some, that's something I would, you know, I always, you know, share from experience with companies I work with, with the executive leaders I work with and helping them to understand that within themselves so that they can start to be that example for for others and their organizations. Yeah, I mean, what you said, right? It's about being be your best, and then the thing is, I think the byproduct of that is going to things are going to go well for you. But if you can be your best, now will it be perfect straight away within five minutes? No. And do you take a red pill or blue pill and go da da? I'm at my best. <laughs> no, that's not going to work that way either, for sure. No, no, it does take a while for sure. Now, if I can get you to get your crystal ball out here and start thinking about the future. The question I've got here, Christopher, is where do you see leadership being in five years? Well, I mean, what I'm seeing, I mean, when you look at what's happening with COVID, and we're still now in this now, the second phase of COVID now, we don't know where this is going to go. Some of the things I've seen here, Dennis, is that you're seeing a shift away from more being competitive in business landscape to more collaboration. And I feel that that collaborative landscape is just going to continue to grow 
throughout this decade. And, and, and transparency is going to be play an important role. Work-life harmony is going to play an important role because if people are burning the candle at both ends, they're not get, they're going to burn out. They're going to leave. They're going to move forward, especially the millennials. And the millennials are going to represent the largest segment of the workforce in this decade moving forward. So this is where we, you know, companies have to get really smart and really providing an environment that encourages work-life harmony, encourage it has resources to help people develop themselves personally and professionally, learning to really maximize their strengths and 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 learning how to delegate their weaknesses with other people where that's a strength or systems or resources that can help take their focus off of that onto the things they do best and then collaborate with one another in a way that's going to elevate not only their own careers, but also the, their team, the company, and also it's going to help their customers, uh, whatever business that they're in. So that's where I'm starting. That's where I'm seeing signs of. And, and I think it's, you know, this is a golden opportunity for companies to really start solidifying that foundation for it now. Yeah, exactly. So going from competitive to collaborative. And uh, so that's where uh, Chris was seeing the future of leadership going for sure. Hey, Christopher, thank you for joining us on today's show. Hey, if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Well, Dennis, I want to thank you first for having me on your wonderful podcast. This is a great show for leaders about leadership, especially around change. Best place they can you know, check out me out is at ChristopherSalem.com. It's my website. I'm also on LinkedIn at Christopher Salem, if you put it there. I also have a radio show called Sustainable Success on the Voice American Influencers Channel. You can just Google Sustainable Success Radio Show or Voice American Influencers Channel will come up. Or you can reach out to my email. And I love to get to know people. That's all about the relationship first. It's uh, Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at Christopher Salem, one word, my full name, dot com. Awesome. Christopher, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. So thank you for joining us. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if you have a question for my guests as I interview them, or a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode that happens once a week, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, if you haven't already joined the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, go ahead and do that. We'd love to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.